chillin' and a you will hear about the eliminating of the negative and a accent on a positive. And gather round me, chillin', if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird and Friends. This podcast is sponsored by Fordata, a Canberra-based company that is committed to ensuring business owners have reliable and professional IT services. I'm a client of Fordata. I use their website hosting services. And I'm also reducing my email spam with their secure email hosting service. As a special offer to the Joyful Frugalista podcaster listeners, 4Data will provide, wherever you are, website hosting at $12 a month and up to two hours initial free migration service, valued at $300. Find them online at number 4Data.com.au. 4Data. They fix IT. Hello, Frugalistas, and welcome. Today, I have a fabulous guest. Welcome, Janine. Hi, Serena. How are you? Good, thanks. It's always good to be here. And usually when I come to see you, it's me as the client, but today you are my guest. Yes, it's a bit of an alternative, isn't it? (laughs) It is a bit of an alternative. Janine is Business Development Manager at the Southern Region Business Enterprise Centre, and we will talk in this podcast about what she does. But she's pretty awesome and she provides some amazing training, resources and support to business owners, especially those in small business just starting out. That's correct, yeah. That is correct. You were a small business owner yourself. I was. I started out when I was about 24, 25. I started a a nanny service here in Canberra. We called it Mary Poppins Nannies. Oh, what a pretty awesome name. name. And we had it going for almost 20 years. Over that time, I think I probably employed I think I worked out once I employed about 2,000 staff because, of course, being childcare, it's very casual, so it's very transient as well. So I interviewed about 4,000 people and, and employed over 2,000 staff members over a 20-year period. It was pretty challenging at times. Wow. With Between those staff members you employed and the families you helped, you must be one of the best-known people here in Canberra. Oh, maybe back then, probably not now. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, now that I think of it, there isn't so much that is in that gap anymore. Yeah, I think we did leave a bit of a gap, but it was time for us to move on and do different things and, you know, evolve ourselves as well, go through personal challenges as we all do, ups and downs of business. And it was a 24-7 job for me as the owner because we had a lot of staff out at two o'clock in the morning. They might ring up and say, the parents aren't home, what do I do? We might have somebody then ring at six o'clock in the morning and say, my nanny is sick, called and sick, can you get somebody else? So it's a pretty exhausting, full on you know, 20 years, and I had my own young family as well. So time to move on, do different things. Oh, yeah, Mm. I I can imagine that would be quite a juggling act. And so what do you do if the parents don't come home? Uh, We had to either leave the nannies there or put in a replacement, and it was often me that would sort of turn up just to make sure we helped out and have some fairly strong words with the families after that. Yeah, I can imagine, and especially when you've got your own young children at home as well. Look, it didn't happen very often. It was just an occasional thing and it was usually because they got a little bit carried away at the party that they were at. So they're always very (laughs) apologetic and always quite happy to pay the bill (laughs) and things. So, you know, you let it go. (laughs) A good night out with parents, which is something you don't always have so much of when you've got young kids and can't get out. It was a good time and it was a lot of fun looking after. Not that I did a lot of the care. Like I said, I had the staff to do that. 
and I manage the business and that's what my passion is, it always has been, is actually building businesses and, and managing them and, and getting them running as, as good as they can. That's why this role that I've got now fits so well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your role. What do you do? I've got a couple of roles. I'm with the Business Enterprise Centre. There are a number of BECs around the country and they've been around for a very long time. They've primarily been developed by community organisations as community not-for-profits to help the small businesses in the local communities. And they've gradually sort of evolved to a point where there's a smaller number of them, but they cover a larger area. So I'm with the Southern Region Business Enterprise Centre. We have, uh, I think, about 18 business advisors on our staff. That includes our, our area covers from north of Wollongong to the, to the Victorian border, out through the mountains, the snowy mountains, the hilltops region, which is Young Harden, so the, the rural areas up into the Southern Highlands and the townships in that space, as well as everything in between, which includes Canberra, of course, the coast and things as well. Then we have a number of staff members delivering a different program up in the northern area of New South Wales, so quite a significant patch up there. Yeah, we, we provide business advice. What that means is, is helping small businesses owners, often looking at startups, you know, people that have got an idea and they mm -hmm. think, I've never been in business, what do I do, where do I start? I've heard of this thing in ABN, but what does it mean? So that might be the first contact we have with somebody. But then it's helping them understand what a business plan is, what's involved with marketing, with research, what you have to do before you even spend a cent on, on your business within your time. And then as the business opens, helping them through that process and, and the challenges that they face as the business opens. And then on to business. And we have a significant proportion of our businesses that we work with are, are existing businesses. They've been around for, you know, maybe five, 10 years and they're looking to, to change. They want to move up in the world. They want to do something a bit different. They want to sell their business. They want to bring staff members on. Anything really that is an issue for business, they come and talk to us and we go, well, we can help you or we can put somebody else on to help you. <laughs> Wonderful. And I first met you actually at a business at breakfast meeting. And I remember you stood up and you said, right, I've got a few things to say. I'm going to go over time, but I've got this amazing training that I'm offering and kind of here it is. Now, up until that point, I hadn't even heard about the Southern Region Business Enterprise Centre. I didn't think that I was really in business, to be honest. I was had only quit my job a few months beforehand and I had lots of ideas, lots of ideas, and I was doing lots of stuff. I did have an ABN, so at least I had something. But I didn't identify, I felt like a bit of a fraud. I didn't feel like I was really a business owner. But I saw your courses and they were very, very affordable and the topics were really interesting. So I took myself along and I learned so much. Mm, good. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and it really got me connected too, to think of myself as a small business owner and think through some of those steps about the sorts of things that I would need to do as a small business owner. I think the first workshop that you actually attended was our one-page business plan. Mm, that's right. Yeah, which is a great place to start. I mean, we do have another one, which is how to start your own business. So it's looking at how to get an ABN, understanding your strategic plan, you know, doing lots and lots of market research and understanding the insurances that you might need, all those sorts of things as well. But the one-page business plan is a really good starting point for business owners. I think if you go on to any of the websites that are around that have business plans or you do a Google search on business plans, you get 40, 50, 60 page documents mm. and it's really quite daunting. 
And then there's all these terms in there that you think, I don't even know what they mean. So what we've done is we've developed this program and this one-page business plan that just gets to the really basics. And if that's all you ever do, it's better than nothing. And it just helps people understand what they need to do in their business and the areas that they need to work on. I love that workshop. I love delivering that workshop. Well, I love being part of it. One of the things I was struggling with is that I'd had all these ideas for what I was going to do after I left work. Some of them didn't happen for various reasons, like a previous podcasting series didn't end up eventuating going forward. I had ideas about what I do with paid writing and through COVID, a number of my paid freelance writing just didn't eventuate for various reasons. So I had all these sort of vague ideas about what I was going to do, but I hadn't really thought critically about where is the passive income? Where is the passive income coming from this? And I had a whole debate in my head before I'd come to your workshop about, well, what do I want to do? Do I want it just to be a hobby where I write, which I could have done because I'm close enough to financial independence that I can do that? Do I just want to be a nice hobby and I'm a creative person who writes novels or things that I want to write? I mean, some people are very, very effective, have very good incomes from being professional writers and writing what they like. But did I want to do that or did I want to build a business that was going to be very abundant and have really good cash flow? And yeah, in the end, I chose the latter. <laughs> Not there yet, but I chose and that. I think I think it's different for everybody. One of the things that I work with, and I think a lot of the advisors that I, I work with, when we're talking to people, one of the first things we need to understand is where you actually want that business to go, what you want it to look like. Because we work with people who just want it as a hobby, who just want to go to the markets once a month and sell a few products but they need to have an ABN or have some understanding of what they're doing, or they need to understand that it's only a hobby and what the rules are around being a hobby as against being a business. So we help that very early stage, help people identify that. Even with some people that have come in and seen me, for example, are consultants looking at, is it just PSI or am I actually a business and understanding the difference between the two. So we PSI being personal services income, and that's a tax term. We look at that and we look at what they're doing and talk to them and say, well, what do you actually want it to achieve? Because that's a big part of whether it's a business or a hobby or just personal services income. We look at all of that, talk to that. And if they want to go as a business, then that's where we start having those ongoing conversations. And we look at strategic planning and the business plans and and all the other areas of business that you need to work in. Mm. And that is a good place to start because people often have assumptions that things should be a certain way. And these days, a lot of people have side hustles. In some cases, they're doing the side hustle because they want that to be their main hustle. In some cases, they just want it to be a side hustle. Yep. And that's okay. As long as they understand and what they're doing and what what the purpose is, that then helps them actually go, you know what, this is okay and this is where I need to stop. There's no point in having it as a side hustle if that's all you want it to be. And then turning around and going, I can't spend any time with my family because I'm spending all my spare time on the side hustle. That doesn't work either. So it's very important to find that balance, what works with you, with your personal life, with your business existing career, with any community projects that you do as well. You know, a lot of people are involved in in fundraising for community organisations as well. You've got to take it all into consideration and just go, what time can I actually manage? Well, that, that's an important consideration and my lovely husband's often telling me that I'm pretty crap when it comes to project management. <laughs> he says, you're just so ambitious, you think you're going to squeeze it all in and there's no way it's all going to happen. Yeah. 
And I think that's one of the things that we talked about in one of the sessions that we've had with yourself was actually looking at what are the priorities and how do you actually make it so that those shiny objects don't get in the way of your actual core objective and working directly to this is what I want to achieve and this is how I'm going to achieve it. And the shiny objects, they may or may not fit, but we've got to work it out. All those shiny things. I love shiny new ideas. (laughs) (laughs) They can be a big distraction though. (laughs) They can be. I want to talk more about planning and I know I've done your workshop, I've done your plan on a page workshop and I've used that information to create a longer plan because even though it's only on a page you can make it bigger and it's quite a really useful core I think. It's actually critical to make it bigger and expand on it but this is a starting point and a lot of business owners just don't even do that so this is where at least we've got something down and got them thinking about something but realistically they should be looking in a lot more detail getting a lot more information that goes beyond that and that's it's a starting point for us and that's what we've worked on in, in your business yeah still working on still, still working, working still on refining <laughs> it but let's talk about the essentials of what goes into a plan for someone who's fairly busy they've got a new idea napoleon hill says don't wait for a plan but he also talks in his book about the importance of planning and this is his book thinking grow rich which i'm doing a book reading club of at the moment on the joyful business club He talks a lot about planning. He's got a whole chapter about organized planning. He says, don't wait for a plan. But then he says, meticulous planning is what's going to get you ahead. But then if your planning doesn't work, you need to alter it and keep altering it until you get the right plan, which all sounds a little bit contradictory. Is it contradictory? Yes, it is. Because if you do too much planning, the risk is that you spend all your time planning and none of your time implementing. Do you see that sometimes? No, not too often. Most people actually go the other way where they haven't got the plan and they're just, they're going off the bat and implementing and then they're wondering why they're having challenges because they haven't actually planned it through. So it is very much again about getting a balance. I think, you know, understanding where you want to go and what you want it to look like and taking the time out to think about how is this going to impact on my personal life and my family, other careers, other opportunities. And is that what I want it to do? And answering those sorts of questions are really key to making it successful. Because as we know, you're you're in business, I've been in a number of businesses myself. And when you're starting up, you're really working 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week even just to try and get on top of it. It's not sustainable, but that's what you often have to do to start with. It's about looking and trying to work out exactly what you need to do. Yeah. yeah, I've been surprised how busy it is. Yeah, It's in a good way because it's aligned with passion and a lot of it's back-end stuff. It's not that out there constantly selling. It's actually just developing processes and procedures and things as well. Yeah, exactly. And I find I'm learning a lot of things, like learning how to use new programs. Yep, yep. Lots of learning, lots of digital space. <laughs> and I know you've got the information in front of you, so I'm going to go ahead and ask what goes into a plan. Okay, so with the one-page business plan that we've developed, a few things that we think are really important are your vision. So this is a bit of the strategic planning level, your your big picture vision. What do you see the world doing or your community doing as a result of what you're putting into your into your business? And, and so what do you want it to look like? And then you've got a mission statement or a purpose statement, which is the how. What, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? Values are really important in the strategic plan, understanding your values and how that fits because once you start bringing staff or team members in, whether it's customers or suppliers, if they don't fit with your values, that's often where we see a lot of the challenges. So you need to understand what your values are and what's important to you so that people can buy into that as well. And then developing a few really core big picture objectives for the next 12 months or so. 
so that it's manageable because if you sort of think I need to do this 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 and this you start writing lists and the lists get longer and longer and bigger and bigger (laughs) and you just go overwhelmed can't do it walk away what we try and do is go well what are the big picture objectives what do you want to achieve in 12 months time it might be for some businesses it'll be actually opening the business for some you know if it's a restaurant it might be having the the business ready to open and, and having the sales happening before they open for other businesses it's writing the business plan it's completing the qualifications understanding compliance you know they might have to do licensing there's a whole heap of things and it's absolutely different for everybody so it's really a step-by-step process with that one but it's really important to do that to just have some really key objectives that help you keep on track and it's not about that they're not the goals that's sort of the next step creating an action plan and doing some goal setting and things but the big picture objectives are your 12 months three years, five years, again, varies from every, from different people. So it's right down from the big picture. Yep, so that's vision. where we start. It's the big picture. So what would a vision look like for some companies? Um, okay, so let me think. One of my clients who I worked with a few years ago is a doctor, and a woman's doctor. So she works specifically with women on women's issues, and she wanted to specifically focus in on the rural community, so women out in the rural community as her business. But when we talked about the vision statements and the uh, the mission statement, the more we talked about it, the more she thought, oh, I don't actually want to, to specify that because that means then how do I work with other women in the city that come and talk to me? So we went down that path and what is it she wants to achieve? And her vision statement is really simple, happy, healthy woman. Wow. And that's what she wants. So that's what she wants to achieve. Now, her mission statement is how she's going to actually achieve that with the people that she works with. But the big picture is that she just wants a world full of happy, healthy women. So it can be as simple as that. It doesn't have to be a long-winded statement. And in fact, the longer-winded it is, the less likely people are to buy into it. <laughs> so you'll know from my, from your experience with me, I try and keep them as, as fairly short and simple as possible. Well, you remember that. Like I remember happy, healthy women. Yeah. And I I was going to say I remember my own, but I can't. But it's, it's <laughs> my, my mission statement on the Joyful Business Club, which I've written out and I've shared, but it's all about women who shine. Yeah. So that's the vision there. But I remember that and having worked in a large bureaucracy beforehand where we had lots of plans and they were supposed to be on a plan on a page and they never were, I can't remember any of them. (laughs) So from time to time someone would say something once a year if you're lucky, you'd go, oh, where is that plan? And you'd try and find it and you'd look at it and you'd go, oh, you know, you'd look through all of the jargon and you'd find what you did somewhere there and you'd go, yep, I'm on there and then that would be it. Yeah. It's very much, for me anyway, a vision statement is very much around what works for you and something that you can buy into and that you believe in because that way your team, your, your staff members, your customer base, your suppliers, everybody will buy into what you're doing, that big picture. And you, know, you look at a lot of charities and community organisations, they always have big picture vision statements. You know, Parkinson's, for example, is just a world without Parkinson's doesn't mean you have to actually create that. It just means that that's what you want to work towards. That's your goal. Yeah, yeah. and it's like Rotary. We were talking, yeah. I think, previously with, with yeah. polio. Yeah, so I'm in Rotary. I'm a member of Rotary International, and one of the biggest programs, in fact, the biggest program that Rotary has ever run is the End Polio Campaign. It's really simple, a world without polio, and how we're going to do it is by partnering with a whole heap of international organisations and governments to make it happen. So that's sort of the mission part, whereas the vision is just a world without polio. 
But you get that, don't you? You do, don't you? You, you understand yeah. that's the mission and it's clear. And it's so inspiring when you are part of an organisation and you know what that goal is. Like you, you want to help them get there. You, yeah. you know what it is. There's no question it's like, oh, we want everyone in the world to be, I don't know, equitable, inclusive, diverse, happy, healthy, this, that and the other. I mean, they're all fantastic goals, don't get me wrong, but like that is really clear and specific. Yeah, and that's what we work towards. So, yeah, that's but that's a whole two-hour exercise I do. So, <laughs> Some of the other things that are really important for business owners to understand right up front when they're doing their research into, to, into developing their business plan is a big question we ask is, what am I selling? Mm. Now, and it's a really interesting one because when you put, look at it on the surface, and I'll use an example of a landscape supplier that I've worked with in the past. When I said to him, what are you selling? He goes, dirt pretty much what he sells it's the physical thing but what's the outcome of that what's the purpose why does he sell it he sells it to landscape gardeners so that they can create this beautiful environment that we as homeowners want to live in so what you're actually selling is that end picture that that emotional attachment to the garden with the champagne and the sunsets and the dogs running around and the lovely <laughs> long grass you know you paint a picture and you see that on advertising all the time, particularly building companies where they, they don't sell the building of, of the house. They sell the end product with the kids running around and the water sprinkling and the sun shining and things. That's what it is that you've got to find with your product. What is it that you're actually selling? What is in it for your customer? Mm-hmm. And what are they going to get out of it? Because they're the ones that are going to give you the money. Strangely enough, that this is what I struggled with the most. Now, that might sound obvious, but... There can be a lot of money in book sales for a few. It's like there can be some money for rock bands and there can be some money for actors. But for most people, there's not. So when you're talking about what you're selling, it's actually quite different. Mm. And you're selling an emotion. People buy on emotion. They justify it afterwards using the, the head part. But initially, the buys are on the emotions. So you've got to actually tap into that when you're looking at what is it that you're selling. Yeah, exactly. And doing your courses actually really inspired me to develop my own courses. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I've attended one of them. You have. So thank you so much for being here. It was really good. Thank you. um, I had, what, six sessions, I think, of different, different things around frugalistic approaches. Yeah, learnt a lot. Reminded me a lot of other things as well, the things that I've already done in the past. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not doing it now. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Money skills, like mm. business skills, I guess. You know what you should be doing, but it's the implementation and actually doing it. It's like getting the plumber to fix your own house, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's always last. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that leaky tap. I'll get to that. And then as you don't get to that, you waste a lot of water. So it's a, a fairly similar space. Marketing. We're in very difficult time right now for a lot of businesses and people are doing it tough and they're wanting to reduce areas of expenditure. How important is marketing? It's critical. At the moment, it's really important to understand what marketing is and why it's so important. It's not just advertising. Marketing is very much about research and understanding your customer base, where they are, where they shop, their demographics, what age group they're in, whether they have children or they don't have children, what sort of income do they might earn. Everybody is set at a different level. Every business is is set looking at different customer bases. So it's understanding your target customers and breaking them up into different segments. Just as another example, I had a gym who did a workshop with me one time and, and we were talking about customer segments and he said, well, we sell to everybody. 
But the problem is if you create an advertising campaign to sell to everybody, you actually won't sell to anybody because you're not really targeting anybody in particular. It's too general. So people don't really get what it is that you're selling. Mm. So with this gym, for example, they'd have the young 20-something-year-olds that are about the bodybuilding and the competitions and being really, really fit and energetic and everything. But they also had a lot of mums who'd come in with babies. They also had a lot of older people who had just finished surgery and they needed rehabilitation-type exercises. So when they realised that they actually have to market to those different groups in different ways, Mm. it made a really big difference to them getting their client bases in and and how they actually develop their marketing campaign when they advertise for those groups because different people want to be attacked, so to speak, (laughs) at different times. You've got to be there when they're ready to, to take it on. Looking at who your target customers are and how it breaks up into different segments is really important because each segment you will you will actually handle differently. You've got to look at what's what's in it for them, what is different, your, your value proposition, which is what do you do that's better than your competitors? So understanding what, what your customers are going to get from you that they're not going to get from your competitors. And that's different for every target audience as well. And then you're looking at how you're actually going to get to them. For example, Facebook, everybody's on Facebook, but not everybody uses Facebook. Mm. It's an absolute must channel, but you've got to understand how you're actually going to tap into the people that you want to tap into so that they see your campaign. And it might be better for you to be, for example, if you're a business-to-business operation, you're better to go through LinkedIn and focus in on LinkedIn. And so understanding where your target audience actually congregate, if you like, is really important so that you get your message in the right place. Yeah, exactly. I agree. A communications plan to look at it a targeted mm. way is so important. And like, for instance, if a lot of your customers are Chinese and if, if say, they're offshore, they mightn't even be using Facebook because they That's can't. Right. If you framed your whole campaign around one particular social media platform, it might not be right. So you've got to find out where your tribe is and how they communicate and how you get to them. And it's also important to remember the traditional media. Really important because actually social media is only still 25% of our media content that we actually pull in ourselves. So it's really important to still have some traditional media in there going back to your website and stuff. But I'm going to put a caveat on all of this. I'm not a website or a social media expert. We have some wonderful digital advisors on our team who are absolutely amazing at all of that stuff and they're across it all. And I have a wonderful job of being able to just refer people straight through to them and say, go and talk to these guys because they're fabulous. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I have one final question for you and that builds on what you've just said, which is how can people get advice and support? How can people in Australia, particularly those who are in the Canberra region and New South Wales, where can they go to for support and advice, especially in this really difficult year that we're facing in 2020? It's been an incredible year, hasn't it? You know, mm. drought, bushfires, COVID. We've had it all in our region, particularly and down hail. the coast. Oh, hailstorms, <laughs> yes, and floods and everything, you name it. We deliver a few programs that are funded by government. So the New South Wales government funds a program called Business Connect. And if you Google Business Connect New South Wales, you'll find the Business Connect website with an, a large number of business advisors in that space. If you're in our region, which is that southern region that I mentioned earlier, you can contact us directly, srbec.com.au is Mm -hmm. our website. 
and we can refer you to a local advisor in that space. Like I said, we've got about 18 advisors around, so pretty good range of experience and knowledge and diversity in our own team. So that's the Business Connect program in New South Wales, and it's fully subsidised at this point in time. We also have a program in Canberra that's funded by the ACT government called the Canberra Business Advice and Support Service. Same contact details, just go to the srbc.com.au and find our team there and they'll refer you through to myself or our other business advisor in Canberra. And then we have a digital program which is actually funded by the federal government and that's called the Australian Small Business Advisory Service and that's a digital solutions one. So those are our amazing digital advisors and they work in in a number of spaces, so developing websites and, and selling online. They don't do the website development, but they look at it and they understand the back end and they can look at SEO and things like that and say whether it's working for you and how to fix it. Social media and digital marketing, of course, is a big part of theirs. But using things like small business software, so connecting, for example, e-commerce websites to e-commerce to websites or Xero, for example, connecting through to your website so that you can actually link up your accounts directly. And in the final area that they do a lot of work in is online security and cyber security, which, of course, in this day and age is, is absolutely really, vital. Really important. Yeah. Lovely. So that's our team. They're a pretty awesome group of people, I have to say. And look, I, I, I know this is sort of a little bit offline, but they, they've done an amazing job over the last eight to 12 months. It has been so challenging and they have just keep stepping up and stepping up. And they just love what they do. We're all very passionate about keeping businesses going and keeping them surviving in this environment. Yeah, I'd love to, love to help anybody who wants, wants to be helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm sure you'll end up getting some more people to contact you. And I know you are already very busy with what you do, but I'm sure you also know how important this is, the work that you do. As we're going through this phenomenally challenging year, the thing that is really going to get us through, I think, is getting the business confidence back yeah. because that's going to see the flow of money around back in the community and it's that circular effect. When people are earning more money, they spend more money and it goes back in the community and it's vital, I think, the work you do in terms of our continued prosperity. And I think it's really important for people just to have somebody that's listening to them and that's completely independent had a number of people say to me, what I really like about when I talk with you is that you're not biased. You haven't got an opinion based on personal or emotional stuff. It's based on your knowledge, your experience in the business world. We have no buy-in on any of the businesses that we work with. So it's, it's, it's completely independent, the advice that we give. And if we say it as we see it too. Things are really tough and we can't see a way out. We will try and help you work through that rather than trying to pretend and say, no, let's keep going. We'll actually be honest as well. Well, thank you very much. If you like this podcast, and I hope you do, make sure to like it, make sure to subscribe to it. And of course, I love receiving comments. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rena. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. And myself, I'm Joseph McGrail Baitup. You gotta accentuate the positive eliminate the negative latch on to the affirmative don't mess with mister in between so